pack your bags for going overseas. Invest in international companies the easy way on Easy Equities. With global investing, you, you've got to be aware of tax. Tax becomes a whole different ballgame on, on global investments. And a lot of people are all, all around the world are very fixated on buying investments in America. And that's, I understand the reason, you know, it's the biggest economy, biggest stock market, you know, some of the best brand names that people know. But the thing is, you buy a share in America and as a South African living in South Africa, if that becomes a big part of your, your assets and you die, you're going to give away 40% of the money that you've got in America to the American taxman for, for death duty. Even though you're not an American, you might never have set foot in America. So you've got to be careful about that. Welcome to Easy Does It, a podcast by Easy Equities, where we simplify money and investing. No jargon, no complications. Your cool guide to investing. Easy. <laughs> My name is DJ At Large and thank you so much for pressing play on the Easy Does It podcast, your cool guide to investing. So over the years, I've discovered that one of the key ingredients to being a successful investor, to building a positive relationship with your money, it's all about having a teachable money spirit. So this is the willingness to learn, to listen, to ask questions, to research, to question things, and then to translate this into consistent financial actions that become financial habits. And one of the ways of doing this is reading. You know, I love personal finance books, particularly books from South African authors. And one of my favorites is, of course, Warren Ingram. You know, his books are practical. They are simple. They are honest. There's no complication of concepts. It's a book that I really, really enjoy. I love his books. You know, so I was very chuffed when he released a brand new book, Global Investing Made Easy, Your Wealth Creating Guide to International Markets. So if you've ever wanted to invest internationally but you don't know where to start this book is a really great guide so i'm glad to have warren ingram on the podcast today host of the honest money podcast he's a best-selling author an award-winning financial planner and a respected personal finance commentator with years and years of experience so this man knows what he's talking about uh, to chat to us a bit about his new book to have a peek at his portfolio and of course to chat about the fundamentals of global investing warren welcome to the easy does it podcast and thank you so much for joining us it's a pleasure and thanks so much for having me on the show it's brilliant to be on with you Thank you so much, Ryan. So I've got a random uh, money question for you, right? If your portfolio could speak, what do you think it would say about you? Yeah, I think it would probably say that I'm an optimist. I'm certainly not a pessimist. And if I look at my portfolio, I think that's what it would reflect. Is it someone who believes in the growth of markets, the growth of investments, and, and that the future will be better than the past? Looking at my portfolio, that's certainly how I'd invest. So I hope that's what it would say about me and that I'm not a gambler. Of course, um, you know, we're we, 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 we chatting remotely. Where are you currently based at the moment? I'm sitting in my house in Johannesburg uh, in, the, in the middle of a thunderstorm. And of course, there's birds and all of that in the background as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've always been curious to know if you have a financial advisor yourself. I know you're a professional, you're in the space, you know everything about money. Uh, but do you have somebody that you consult on your own personal portfolio? 
Yes, I do. So um, I believe, you know, if you're financially sophisticated, it doesn't mean that you shouldn't have a, you know, kind of just a coach. You know, if you think about Tiger Woods, you know, like, uh, I mean, you know, the world's best golfer for decades, he doesn't just operate in isolation. You know, he'll get uh, second opinions from people that he respects. And that's what I do. So, you know, there there are parts of the whole financial world that I don't uh, pay attention to at all. So I I don't do my own taxes. Uh, You know, I pay someone to do that. I I don't have a lot of life insurances and stuff anymore. But when I did, I paid some someone to do that for me because it wasn't an area I knew at all uh, and on the investment side I, I use my colleagues um, in my business to actually bounce my ideas off to say you know this is what I'm thinking for myself uh, and and what do you think uh, and then get their views because an objective view is always going to be more reliable than my own uh, and then lastly and I think uh, critically I've got a money buddy I've got my my wife who I write about in the books as the spreadsheet queen you know and um and we work together, you know, we, we, we operate as a unit when, when we make our money decisions. So, so, so I've, I've kind of covered myself to get a lot of advice because there's no chance that I'm perfect. And certainly, you know, they always talk about, you know, when you look at a plumber, his own plumbing is always messed up. So I don't, I don't want to be that, that guy. <laughs> so I make sure that I bring in the plumbers to make sure my plumbing is, is also good. I think it's such an interesting thing because, you know, what we want to do in the podcast is demystify finances and even individuals within the space. Because, you know, the assumption is, you know, Warren knows everything he wouldn't ever need to get advice or get a second pair of eyes on something which is just so interesting Warren I've obviously known you for a couple of years I've had the pleasure of hosting you on Youth Money Circle events you've got multiple books you've got a a great podcast and it seems that you know educating people seems to be something that is quite passionate to you where does this passion for wanting to educate people about money come from? It's probably twofold one it's my own history with money you know just just starting out you you know from school to university you know money was tight you know I have to work my whole way through university to, to make enough money to get by and to eat and those kinds of things and always felt like I was at sea you know like I didn't really know what, what I was doing where I was going you know how, how things were working and then you know entering my industry I'm just realizing that you know my industry especially years ago I mean, it's getting better now but it's still not great at it but my industry kind of specialized at making things very complicated making them very mysterious um, you know making them seem unapproachable so that you would always be forced to pay somebody to get advice or to to get a direction Uh, and and I felt that actually a lot of the concepts around money are very simple I'm not not saying they're easy to do I think that's the difference you know it's easy to understand how to run a marathon it's very hard to actually do it and and I think money is exactly the same I think it's it's easy to understand a lot of the concepts and the more we can put that information into people's hands in a kind of approachable democratized you know a way where where you know you you don't have privileged access because you've got to pay someone you you have access to information because you opened your eyes you know that that should be the thing if you want it should be there and I feel if we do that what happens is we make our whole country better we make a whole you know globe better uh, the more people that are kind of working and moving their lives forward I mean that that's a massive positive you know economic multiplier I'm not like a complete do-gooder you know tell everyone that I'm better than everyone else I'm certainly not but I think you know I've got a little bit of expertise in an area and I think my bit of expertise if I can multiply that across people and and, and you know across our whole you know all our people in our country the, the more access we can give them to information the better and it makes a small little difference to lots of people hopefully you know over time they make a small little difference to more people and before we know it we've made a huge difference to the whole country i completely agree and i, and I think you know some of the difference you've made is obviously with your books which i've mentioned are, are very simple uh, are straightforward there's no jargon there's no complication and you know i was revisiting your, your two other books i read them quite often go back and highlight and all of that and something very interesting kept popping up 
You keep mentioning the importance of a personal vision. Even before we speak about investing 101 and we get into concepts, the idea of having a personal vision always seems to come up and it seems to be a good starting point if you're looking to get your finances in order, if you're looking to get into investing. Why is this personal vision always the starting point and why is it so important? You and I have done some talks together as well. And, and you know, when we speak to an audience in, in the old days, you know, pre-COVID, when we could actually talk to real people uh, in, in an audience and, and listen to them and, and get their questions, one of the very first questions will always be something along the lines of, yeah, I can see how you can do this, but I've got black tax, but I've got debt, you know, but uh, I hate my boss, whatever it is. There's always the, it's easy for everyone else to do, but for me, I can't because I've got too many reasons or too many things in my own life that will hold me back. You know, what, what that tells me is not that people's problems aren't real. Of course, they're real. If you're the first generation of kind of, you know, formally employed person in your family, you've got a lot to carry. You know, you've got a lot of people to support, but you start it every plan with all the things that are going wrong all the things you have to do and not the things that you're working towards you know not not the things that excite and motivate you you're not going to get anywhere and, and that would that would apply to anybody in any stage of life you know so someone who has no financial responsibilities no financial dependence is earning well there are lots of people like that who, who have no savings no investments because they but is, is is a different thing you know they've got another excuse now I, I need to buy the bigger car you know the new car the self-driving car is coming out or it's the new phone or whatever it is there's always a but and to me the only way you can make those big decisions where you trade off buying the new car next year versus actually investing is you've got to have something that really excites you really motivates you and really talks to your core as a human being and it will be different for all of us you know i'm not a parent but for for some parents that, that will be the thing is that they are motivated to give their children uh, the best education and the best life they can and if they if they have that as a core motivation then you know not buying new cars and you know flashy stuff and you know you know living the kind of bling life would, would be important to them because they've got something much more important which is i don't want to show off I want to get my kids the best education that they can. And and so that, that becomes a trade-off. Or, you know, I'm not going to eat out every night because, so in my life, travel is a huge thing. You know, be, being able to see the world is, is something I really want to do. It, it really will make me not go out every night and, you know, eat out at restaurants or whatever the deal is. So, so that's the vision I need. I need to have a picture of what my ideal life looks like. And then when I'm sitting in a shopping center or nowadays online, you know, deciding to buy something or not buy it, if I remember what my vision is and I've got it nearby and, and you know, and for me, it's a physical thing. It's, you know, it's pictures that I, that I have of where I want to go. It's plans that I've made. That, that becomes concrete for me and it, and it allows me to avoid buying stuff because most of the time we're waste, wasting money on stuff that, that feels great once we've bought it. You know, the first time you hold your new phone, it's really exciting for like, you know, an hour. But the next day, you know, I mean, it's just another phone. And, and I feel the same with cars and all of those things, you know, branded clothes, all of that. It's, it's exciting for a little bit of time. And then it's, then you just have a grudge, uh, you know, guilt, I guess, to, to that. Whereas experiences, um, you know, providing for people that you care about, those things are stay with you forever. And, and you have to have a vision to help you, you know, stay in your goals and, and stay disciplined. I almost see it as, you know, your personal vision is the foundation. And every financial decision you take is a brick that you lay within that foundation. And that's how I see it as well. I think it's, it's such a strong, you know, way to guide your financial decisions. Warren, onto your book, why do you decide to base it on global investing? I mean, there's so many financial topics that are out there. Is there a specific reason why you decided to talk particularly about global investing? 
Yeah, uh, there is, and and it's it's really about uh, d- demand from readers. You know, so so the first book I wrote was "Become Your Own Financial Advisor." Clearly, there was no demand uh, yet because I hadn't written a book. Uh, but but what happened after that was I started getting lots of questions from people saying, you know, this, this is a great book, but I, you know, I need to know how to how to build my first batch of money, my first pot of money, and and so that's how we did you know how to make your first million. It was because people were asking the questions, and this one, you know, global investing made easy was I'm getting. Uh, well, have been and still are getting lots of questions from people around this global investing thing. You know, what's going on? How does it work? The, you know, it's tricky. It's complicated. And you know, all the all the questions we've had about personal finance for years applies equally to global investing. And and then what, what I realize is, you know, those questions are coming, you know, 80% of them are coming from South Africa, but 20% are coming from around the world. And that's also interesting now. And, you know, in, I guess in, in the social media world, you know, people can find us wherever. And, and so I thought, well, there are a lot of American books on investing, but there are actually not a lot of global books um, on investing that aren't aimed at Americans. Uh, and, and so that was the purpose of the book was to say, no matter where you are, if you're not in America and you can read my book, uh, you'll get something out of this to be able to teach you how global investing actually works, what it's all about. Uh, as you say, you know, it, the aim, hopefully, is to do, do it in plain language, you know, to demystify all the stuff, help you, you know, avoid the pitfalls and, um, you know, all, all the mistakes that could be made. And then, you know, take some simple, easy decisions and, and then get going. It's, it's always about the, the reader. It's always about what people want from me. Um, and then have I got the time and the energy and the knowledge to supply that? Yeah, and I think the timing as well of the book with COVID, with so much happening on the JSE, and now people are, you know, normal investors are now considering, you know, can my money travel the world? Can I invest in different markets? So I think the timing as well was also quite perfect. In terms of writing the book itself, Warren, did you experience any writing block? Um, how did you get those creative juices flowing? I mean, I'm not an author, so I always wonder when you're writing about finance. I mean, when you're having that bad day, you're stuck on a chapter, you just can't get past a couple of pages. How do you get those uh, creative juices flowing? Yeah, so, so I have a, a very strict routine for writing. So I'm going to sound like a crazy guy, but I, I wake up at four o'clock on Saturday and Sunday morning and I, I allocate four hours to writing on both those days. So, so, you know, four to eight. So I'm not compromising time with my, my wife or a whole family life doesn't revolve around my writing. And and then I kind of sketch out the message. What's the what's the story I want to tell people? Or what's the journey I want to take them on? And that usually is quite easy for me. And then the, the initial steps are, you know, the first third of the book is so quick. It writes itself you know it's a pleasure um you know it's fulfilling it's exciting and and then the middle parts of the book um it, get, it gets a little bit more dull a little bit more boring you know it's kind of lonely you know um, you know as you know in Joburg in winter you know it's kind of a dark place you know at four o'clock in the morning and cold and uh, and and I start feeling sorry for myself and then by the last third of the book I'm hating every word and promising I'm never going to write ever again and I can't believe I did this and what's wrong with me so so no it's, it's it is painful and I think a lot of authors would say that but for me I think I'm fortunate because I'm writing about a subject that that I live and breathe every single day um the content is there I guess it's making sure that you're saying things that are teachable and are relevant you know the fact that I find it interesting that you know two shares trade in a pattern you know that might be interesting to me in economic history wise it might be something that academics will pour over for the next decade but actually for the end reader might be completely irrelevant use this information so so i've always got to be careful that i don't you know i don't write a book that's interesting to me i've got to write a book that i hope is interesting to the the reader oh, it's such an interesting process and i'm grateful that uh, during those cold uh, winter nights in Joburg, you pushed through because the book is quite quite brilliant so i'm very happy that you were thank able you very to, much to finally give you the book and hopefully it's it's not 
not the last there's plenty more that you'll be writing as well warren now you know to our investors you know why is it so important to have a portfolio that has local and international shares you know you've written the book there's quite a lot of interest on the book to an investor who perhaps only has shares on the jse they're now hearing about this why is it important for them to start considering um international markets as well i think there are a couple of good reasons so, so the first one is purely from an investment perspective forget about you know economics politics all of that stuff if you're an investor and you want out and out capital growth on your money wh- one of the things i'm going to tell you is you have to have diversification you, you can't put all your eggs in one basket so so that means for example that you don't take all of your investments and only buy one share if you're in the south african market you know you need to buy multiples of shares you can't just buy one you know saying that you actually take all of your money and you only allocate it to one stock market or one economy i also think is a mistake you, you have to be spread across many different economies and especially economies that don't look like yours because you know you know we've got a resources driven economy in south africa so the mining cycle you know is a huge impact on our economy and, and the shares that we own and so you know we've got to look at places you know that that, that look totally different where for example they've got a different population pyramid you know you know older populations for example you know, we've got a very young population uh, and, and maybe we've got to look at places that that have a big history in pharmaceuticals because we don't you know the, a big history in technology um, and and you know and say well if you want to invest and you want to be really diversified you've got to you've got to spread your risks far and wide and also to take advantage of opportunities that you just can't get in your in your home country and, and for me that's the key point uh, the key rationale for investing on top of that is then you know the the, the kind of socio-political risks as well so so we live very young democracy that you know is always going to keep us on our toes one benefit of being south african is we never get bored uh, you know if we get bored we just have to read the news and we'll find a reason to be you know happy excited ang- angry whatever the deal is but what that means for us in as investors is that our our markets are already volatile because we're in a resources cycle and then it increasingly volatile because we're in a young democracy to spread your money into older democracies as well and, and i'm saying that uh, important point as well not it's not an either or and and to be in markets and economies that are totally different to ours reduces your total political socioeconomic risk as well and then lastly we're we are a tiny tiny stock market we you know we, we represent now probably less than one percent of the world's stock market value and, and so to take you know if you were sitting on the moon if you and i were chilling on our deck chairs on the moon looking at the world we wouldn't be saying to ourselves hey let's go and put all of our money into a, a country that represents one percent of the value of the world's you know stock markets we, we would be saying let's spread it across you know many of those and get exposure to some of the biggest ones as well so i think that's the key reason why we have to have global exposure in in our in, in our portfolios and then the question is just how much you know so and i'm, I'm really scared of the story where you, you know people are saying nowadays you know uh, South Africa is really going bad and going down the tubes, you know, sell everything and send it all overseas. That's rubbish. You know, if you're going to live in South Africa and you're going to spend in South Africa, uh, you, you need to have a good portion of your assets in the country to cover your RAND expenses, to, to eliminate the effect of, of, you know, the RAND dollar exchange rate and all of that stuff. And to earn interest in, in you know, we, we have a very high interest environment in South Africa. So, you know, I don't want to earn interest on dollars or euros because the answer is I can't, you know, I can earn interest on RANDs. So, so our market does have some real benefits. And because we're an emerging market, there will be times when we will grow incredibly well relative to the old world. And so, you know, I think you've got to have money in SA and globally. Warren, what would you say are, you know, the key ingredients to cooking up a great global portfolio? So things that our investors need to consider. You've got to stick to your area of competence. You can't be a pretender when it comes to investing and, and look at how everyone else is doing it and then say, 
if everyone else is doing flavor of the month investing, you know, they're, they're buying Robinhood, uh, GameStop or Dogecoin or whatever the deal is, like wh- whatever the new kind of fad is, if you don't understand that market and you don't understand the, the underlying intrinsic value of that investment, don't copy people that are, are happen to be making money in it because either they know a lot more than you about that investment or they're lucky. And so one of the things that bothers me with investing is we, we, we tend to kind of follow the herd, you know, so if the herd is all running, you know, off a cliff, you know, we, we kind of follow because they're all doing it. So we should do it. And, and that FOMO of missing out you know, fear of missing out, I think is really dangerous with money. My, my view is if you don't know much about global markets, you don't know much about shares or something like that. Don't try and pretend to be an expert where you now need to go and pick, you know, 20 of your, your new best friend shares because, you know, you, you're probably going to make some big mistakes rather than just go and buy a global index and just make a virtue out of the fact that you don't know what's going on and and so if you buy the whole world stock market in one thing in one global index what you're getting is an incredibly low cost investment that's hugely diversified and you don't need to be an expert all you need to do is keep adding money to it when you can watch it grow sit back be patient and watch everyone else stressing themselves to death about you know investment decisions that they actually don't know much about you know and i think that that's the key for me is you've got to stick to your area of competence if you are let's say you know someone who designs games you know and and you're a you know a gamer extraordinaire then by all means go into that you know side of the world and, and understand the businesses that you're investing in that no problem you know if you're a tech guru if you're a pharmacist or you know a drug developer and i'm t- talking about legal drugs of course then go into the things that you know well but if you're not you know, be, be happy to be the person that doesn't know much, but, but buys the index and enjoys the ride. Li- the likelihood is the index beats eight out of 10 um, investments all day, every day, anywhere. And that makes sense, Ryan, that if you're new to investing, you know, you put a little bit of your money into exchange traded funds. And then the teachable money spirit thing happens where you spend some time understanding companies, investing, listening to podcasts, buying some of, an example, your books and, 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 and not being afraid to say, I don't know much, but I need to spend some time listening learning which i think is very very important sometimes we want to jump in because everybody else is jumping in and it can be very very dangerous absolutely and i think that's the point you know everyone else is doing it i better do it is is a terrible reason to make an investment decision everyone else is investing i also want to invest is a good idea i like that but it's what you invest in trends are are amazing i, I was i was looking at uh that share GameStop in the period of 19 days in, in January 2021. I mean, if you put $1,000 into GameStop, it went from $1,000 to $20,000 in, in, in 19 days. And, and what happened, of course, is that then that attracted a lot of attention and a whole lot of money went in right at the peak of the share price. And, you know, lots of people were putting their $1,000 in when the share price was already peaked. By the end of the year, their $1,000 is worth $450. That's a permanent loss of capital. Those investors will never make their money back. You know, they're going have to sell that and get out of it and, and go into something better be careful and be be honest enough with yourself to say i know i don't know and that's okay i can still invest that makes so much sense so that brings us to the end of part one with warren ingram talking about his new book global investing made easy and the key ingredients to cooking up a great global portfolio in part two we will get a sneak peek into warren's personal portfolio mm. Thank you for pressing play on the Easy Does It podcast. A big shout out to you for hanging out with us. Don't forget to subscribe. We are on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Let us know what you think of this episode on Twitter and Insta. Our handle is at Easy Equities.